investors have true and real influence on a company's growth, right? And so if you take those two pieces, just those two, user centricity and, tra- user centricity and transparency, mm-hmm. um, crowdfunding is the just the manifestation of that in terms of a funding vehicle right um it's a public crowdfunding so all of everybody's investing in it they're all going to get listed publicly whether we did it or not right so it's transparent um it allows users to become your investors and when your users are your investors they're never gonna try and get you to do something that isn't in their best interest right like they're always their motivations are in line with your motivations right Hello, fellow budding entrepreneurs and data conscious users. It's Chris Cowden here from Talking With Experts Podcast. And I have a question for you to kick off this week's episode. And it's rhetorical, so you don't need to answer it just yet. But I want you to keep it top of mind throughout this episode. The question is, are you able to choose who uses, sells and buys your data? And what are you doing about it if you're not? This leads to my next expert, Mike Aldi, who is the founder and CEO of Tiki. He is on a mission to create an anonymous platform that allows you to control who uses your data, choose who seizes it, and choose who can buy your data. As scary as it sounds, Facebook was not created to be a social media community-driven platform. It was created with one thing in mind, data manipulation and exploitation of its users. In a world where data is the main currency, Facebook and the big five tech companies control the data and AI world and extract your data for profit at the user's expense. We have to stand up together to push for changes in how our data are being used because we, as users, can make a collective change together. Mike has some incredible news to share with you this week, and you're going to love his insightful and thought-provoking conversation on how Mike and his team ran with an idea and ended up having 125,000 users sign up for Tiki's waiting list, how he gained 250 plus public investors and raised over $400,000 through crowdfunding. Since transparency and trust are at the core of Tiki, Mike is going to openly share how he got users to invest in his idea how he intends to create an anonymous platform where users can see, control, and monetize from their own data, and what you can do as a startup to get instant market validation, and what you can do as a user to stand up for your data. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Uh, I'm actually pinching myself because a bit of research and uh, this is the first time I've had somebody that used to work at NASA on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did some work over there for a while, yeah. So so that was exciting. I was like, wow. it could only get better than this. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I, I know what you're doing right now is, is incredibly important. And um, I didn't realize how much of a problem our data was. Um, I'm kind of oblivious and a little bit ignorant to to the whole um, the data ownership issues. And, and I wondered if you'd be able to firstly introduce yourself and tell me all about Tiki and then talk about what the real problem is and we can go from there yeah i mean i'll start by saying you're not alone you're the majority most people 
are what I call a there's a knowledge gap, right? Most people are uninformed about what's going on with their data, and that's a bit on purpose, right? Nobody's going to read a 40-page legal privacy policy to use Instagram. It's just not going to happen. And then after you read it all, you still, what are you going to do? You're still going to use it, right? Like, so <laughs> yeah. that right there is the problem, right? That right there is the crux of the issue that we all experience, right? There's this knowledge gap where companies know the value of data and have known the value of data and have used the value of data to drive massive profits through the manipulation and exploitation of users. This is not a new thing. Like we all see and experience this every day, right? I was talking to somebody earlier and like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, I searched something and, or I bought something and I saw ads for that for weeks. And that was annoying all the way down to, you know, everybody's complaining Twitter's an echo chamber. They're all rooted in the same issue. It's just companies using your data behind the scenes mm -hmm. to either extract profits or to get you to open their app more often or to spend more time on there or to look at something or to leave a comment, right? Like these are all just manipulations of people based on data. And I'd argue it's not all necessarily bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. Where it's all broken down is the misset expectations and understanding between users and companies, right? Uh, we all feel like we were tricked and betrayed, right? It's not that we wouldn't have given consent to certain things. There are certain things I certainly would have opted out of. It's just, I don't feel like I was ever given the ability to do so. Um, and then they're like, oh, well, we have this setting that's buried on like menu five under like these things, name some confusing thing. And when you press it, it's like, are you sure? Are you really, really, really sure? Right? Like we've all, like we're, it's built in a way where we're de-incentivized to do anything about it. Um, it's not like we can't have TikTok and privacy, right? Like it's mm -hmm. just like, why can't we have both? Like <laughs> we can just have both. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, really the problem. Yeah, we're not given the choice to um, to decide where our data is being used and how it's being used. And it it's being, uh, from research that I've done, our data is being manipulated and we're being exploited. These are horrible things to even think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's all rooted in, you use the word choice. It's all rooted in this one problem, right? The way I think of it is um, all of our problems related to data are that people don't have a way to ex exercise their choice in a meaningful way, not in a, you know, click through agreement, but actually say, yes, I agree to this. No, I don't agree to this. Um, it's It doesn't have to be some complicated thing. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. And it just has to be, we all make hundreds or thousands of decisions. You ever been on Tinder? I mean, you make lots of choices in a few seconds, right? It doesn't like, doesn't need to be some complicated thing to make a choice, right? It's just, it's never been built in a way that was controlled by users. Um, and it's always, it's always boggled my mind. It's a problem I've been really passionate about for probably close to a decade now that, and it all, what really clicked for me is we own like, you like own a car or a home or the computer or a phone or whatever, whatever you own, right? You get to decide who uses it. You can mm -hmm. choose what they do with it. You can stop them from using it. You can sell it and you get money for it. You can loan <laughs> it to a friend, but none of those rights of ownership apply to your data, except mm -hmm. all the companies are like, it's your data, which implies that you own it. But how come I don't know what they collected? How come I can't control what they collect? How come I can't sell it? Why can they sell it and keep all the money and I don't get any money? Right? Yeah. These are just basic tenants of ownership we expect out of every other good we own, but somehow not for our data. Um, and if we could just 
flipped the system on the on its head where users made the decisions, not companies and governments, we could solve a lot of these problems because you know what's best for you. You know, at the very least, even if you make the wrong decision, you at least have had the ability to make the choice and you feel good yes. about it. You might change your mind and it's okay to change your mind and be like, hey, I don't want them to keep doing this or, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That's just part of life. But at least you knew that you did it, not some person in some office somewhere who knows nothing about you making decisions about your data that inevitably might end up getting hacked or leaked or God knows what with, right? Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and a lot of data has been leaked. Uh, I know our <laughs> NHS, our, our National Health Service was hacked. Um, I'm sure Facebook is, um, <laughs> or, or Google. And, uh, what's yeah. your opinion on Facebook and their data issues? Or can you say anything? <laughs> I mean, I can say anything I want, right? What are they going to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm poor, whatever, right? <laughs> I'm not worried about saying it. It's just, it's a complicated problem, right? Um, their business model is based on the manipulation of data. That's how they make money. Um, and so you've got a problem where their business model is at odds with the consumers of their application, right? Nobody goes on Facebook to, because they're like, Hey, I want to give up money. And then I want to see ads in exchange for my data. Like no one gets the, no one goes on Facebook. Like here's my data. Give me ads. They're going on there to yeah. talk to somebody. Right. And so their business model is out of whack with the customer's expectations. And right there is where you get all of this, really all of these misset expectations and confusion and, miscommunications it's just it's really the crux of a lot of the problems on that platform um, and so you can solve all of that right and you might not even have to change the business model you just need to offer people the ability to make real choices right it doesn't have to be so so damn hard right i'm not saying don't use facebook i'm just saying hey be conscious of it and have a way to be able to exercise your choices, right? Like they finally are saying, Hey, we're no longer going to be doing facial recognition. This is something I've been touting for years. Like why is there not just a swipe left to turn off facial recognition software, right? Like most yeah. people didn't even know it was on in the first place, right? Like that's crazy, right? It was, it was on there. It's been used in for like court subpoenas and things like that. And they use it for things that are questionable, even in their own application, all in the spirit of, you know, auto tagging your face in pictures. Okay, fine. Some people might want to opt into that, but at least give them the choice. Don't just turn it on by default and bury it under a bunch of settings and be like, yeah, it's on like this FAQ over here that no one read, right? Like that's just, it's manipulative. And then, then they wonder why nobody trusts them and everyone feels bad about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So what is, because Tiki is all about helping us get our control back. What exactly is Tiki and, and, and how is that helping overcome this issue yeah so the issue right we've been talking about this is that it's choice right and so when we talk about ownership we boil it down to really three very basic things that we call it. we call it see control and monetize which is just basically you have the right to see what data companies collect on you you have the right to control how they use that data and you have the right to monetize your data if you so choose right these are all just three tenants of ownership and so the Tiki app is real simple. You install the Tiki app and you can just link your accounts. It doesn't, you know, link your Facebook account, Netflix account, link your accounts. And again, not saying get off of them. We're just going to make it easier to use them in a way that you feel comfortable with. 
And so mm-hmm. when you link your accounts, we show you what data those companies are collecting on you. We show you what they've collected, what they're doing. We basically show you your digital f- fingerprint. Um, and then we allow you to swipe cards. It looks like Tinder. You swipe left and swipe right to make decisions about, hey, I don't want them to do this with my data, or I do want them to do this, right? All these companies have all these privacy settings already built into their apps. There's just hundreds of them, and they're constantly changing, and no one's got hours every week to go through and do this. So make it all one simple stack of cards. You swipe left and swipe right. It's got GIFs and pictures, and it's in plain words that we all can understand because these concepts aren't complicated, right? Mm -hmm. You can use technical jargon to explain facial recognition software and AI and training, but it's just like they're looking at your face and making a decision like, are you in this picture or not in this picture? And so you can explain these concepts very simply. They're They're not complex. We make them complex to get people to just accept them, not because they need to be complex. And then the result of people being able to make choices in their data creates something that we're really passionate about, a data marketplace. Mm -hmm. Because if you allow people to turn everything off, they're just going to turn everything off, right? So you have to offer them in concert with that an incentive to turn things on, to share things, right? You can't solve our data problem by treating it black and white, where businesses get the rights to do whatever they want with all our data, or businesses have no data, right? That also doesn't work. They rely yes, on data. They do. You have to have something in the middle that allows people to exercise their rights and feel good and choose who can use their data because it's a commodity they own, but the business can still get access to it. If you treat people well, the customers will want to share their data with you. If you're clear about what they want to do, they'll share data with you. And in exchange, they get paid money, right? Um, yeah. One of the coolest things that we do um, that we've always done that's near and dear to my heart that I really believe solves one of the biggest problems in the data space in general is all of our users are anonymous, 100% of it. Um, all of your data is encrypted and it's at the edge on your phone. And then when you go, do go to sell it, it's anonymized before it leaves your phone. So it can never be traced back to you. Mm. Um, it's very difficult to do. But it comes out of a fundamental belief that every single business action that we do today with data could be done anonymously. And it solves a huge problem for them, right? The average cybersecurity attack, rats were attack, costs a business $2.4 million. Well, if, you know, the old, the old saying is, if you don't think you've been hacked, you've been hacked, right? Like, well, don't have any data if you don't want to be hacked, right? Like the simplest way for a business to protect against being hacked for personally identifiable information is just don't have it. You don't need it to run an insight report. Like by the time mm-hmm. that an executive looks at some dashboard, it's all been mashed together and anonymized anyways. So why are you storing all of this data um, that's, that, you know, is just going to inevitably be hacked? Um, so... The marketplace allows you to solve really that problem. It allows you to anonymize data, allows companies who can never get access to that data, access at a cost and usability that has been previously unattainable, right? Mm -hmm. All of our data is consolidated in basically five giant companies. And so they control the entire AI landscape, the ML landscape. They control all of these mechanisms and Everybody else is just, they're paying them either money to get access to it or they're scraping and fighting and clawing and, um, it's being used to their competitive advantage and the disadvantages of the 30 million small businesses in the United States. And I don't know how many, there are probably 50, 60 million worldwide, right? Like they don't have access to the same resources. They can't put 50 engineers on a problem to answer an insight question, 
right? And so they're at a huge disadvantage. And so by creating a third-party transparent market where the users decide who can buy my data and what they can do with it, all anonymously, all secure, all encrypted, businesses win, users win, and we're no longer stuck in this world where, you know, a few people decide what happens to the rest of us. Yeah, and then we then we feel like we can we can trust again. Yeah, maybe one day we'll be able to trust again. Or you know, <laughs> our approach is just to build trust. Just treat it like there is none, right? Yeah. <laughs> How do you build trust and trust this world? Well, everything we do is completely transparent. It's all open source. It's all just public. Our code, mm. our designs, our roadmap, our team, our investors. Everything is public. Simply because. How do you even attempt to build trust like this, right? Like the only way to build trust is just simply here it all is, right? Here, see it, use it, touch it. It's all built for you, the users. Yeah. So I know you uh, as well. You're the co-founder of Bluestream. And um, then to, and my Tiki is your, is it your first startup that you've ran or started from the, is it your first startup or is it? It is not. Yeah, so I was one of the co-founders of Bluestream, which we built, and they're doing great. I exited that business to do Tiki, but um, yeah, I was the co-founder and CTO over there for, I don't know, probably seven years, eight years, a long time. We were at, we've been at it for a long time. It's a great business. Um, it's another business in the data space, right? That's a B2B business that is specifically looking at how do you handle you know, billions of data points after somebody buys a product to engage people after the sale, right? Like, so marketers, they spend all their time and money trying to get the first person to buy something, yeah. right? That's what all the CRMs and marketing automations and HubSpots and all that stuff's to get that first sale. But then after that, it's kind of like, well, what happens, right? And so <laughs> how do you use data to actually engage people after the sale? That, that's really what Bluestream is all about. Um, it's all about positive marketing and positive impact on users um, from lots of data. So that's been my background is what do you do when you got a billion pieces of data streaming in real time? How do you turn that into something that actually makes sense? Like who do you text? When do you send them an email? How do you send What should it say? What should it do? Right? Like when's the right time? Right? Um, so how do you turn all that information into valuable actions? And, and now to transition to Tiki, you're <laughs> kind of doing something that will benefit Bluestream as well. Yeah, benefit every Bluestream yeah. and every, anyone else, right? Yeah, like everybody else, yeah. Yeah, that's really kind of the the hope is there's a huge missing hole in the market in terms of data. Um, for businesses, there's countless issues in terms of how do you get good, clean data from the right ethical sources? How do you turn that into insights at you know real you know without needing teams of engineers and expensive you know specialist solutions, right? And I, for users, the we just talked about it. It's all built into, ch- like, they need choice in what happens. It can't just be, yeah. oh, I use the internet and you just do whatever you want with my data. And so by creating a market in the middle, you open up all this opportunity for companies like Bluestream to succeed, businesses, you know, mom and pop businesses to grow, SMBs, e-commerce applications, right? We're really just opening up the data economy to a much wider audience, right? Right now it's trapped between the big tech guys, you know, the big five, and then all the rest of us, right? Like that's kind of how the market is. And it it will not stay that way. Whether Tiki uh, is successful in, you know, really bringing our vision to light 
or not. It will not, it, it can't stay that way. It's mm-hmm. impossible. It's untenable, right? It'd be like, um, data is the currency of, of the internet, right? It's just, we communicate using data. It is what dictates everything on the internet. It's all just data. Um, imagine if all of the money in the world was in five companies' hands, right? Like that would never work, right? Like you can't, it can't work. It can't sustain. It's impossible. It's a disaster scenario. Mm-hmm. And so we have to figure out how to fix that for data. <laughs> yeah. That, that crossed my mind when I was in the shower. <laughs> it's like, could, couldn't, could Facebook not do something like Tiki or would it be because they've got a lot of, they're almost like a monopoly. They've they've already got power over yeah. us. Well, but, but Tiki's there first. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I welcome anybody who wants to to try and solve this problem to, to jump in. Right, somebody's got to do it. You know, the problem with companies like that is there's so much. They, for starters, their whole business model is built one way, so they would have to restructure their entire business to go and do something else right which you know we all know that's near impossible if not entirely impossible um as well as you know while we like to think of facebook as like you know the giants in the internet they're still only a small fraction right when you start to look at who's touching your data it's thousands and thousands of companies facebook is only a small piece of them right like you know just just this conversation here probably I don't know, I guess probably 25 companies are currently receiving the data from this conversation between ISPs and internet providers and all of the networking and StreamYard, which we're doing this on and everything, you know, Apple and which is I'm using a Mac. It's just that's all of these players are receiving data about just this conversation. And so anytime you do anything and not just online, but anytime you do anything in life, somebody is tracking it. Right, whether it be buying groceries at the grocery store or fulfilling a prescription, all of that is data that people are aggregating and reselling about you. Um, and so, I mean, what are you going to do? Just not be a person? Like, so, yeah. like, you know, it, Facebook it crosses the human rights. Uh... Yeah, exactly. You know, Facebook is honest. Like, yes, they're the most egregious of them all. It's the greatest data collection um, company that has ever existed. But it's still only a fraction of really your digital footprint, um, which is wild to really think about, right? That's just yeah. a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got the you've got the the experience and the behind the scenes access. You you know what's happening. So uh, I am almost very scared. Uh, well, I am very scared, <laughs> not of you, <laughs> but of the situation. Uh, what can what can us users do except for join tiki of course uh, and get behind the data revolution but what can we do do we turn off our cookies do we avoid uh, we can't really avoid data but what's your advice well so yes you can do all of those things right you can use DuckDuckGo instead of google you can use a you can use a, a vpn to to uh anonymize your uh cert, um your web traffic you can use like safari which blocks all the cookies or brave or any of these things right you can use all these things and they're all improvements but again that's they're little slivers of the problem um honestly the the best thing you can do and it really gets to the core of how we think about things at tiki i when people ask me like what we're doing at tiki i don't talk about it like it's a product because it's not a product 
we'll build this product, we'll build many products, right? It's an idea or a revolution, right? It's a concept um, that data belongs to people and therefore people deserve the rights of ownership and the rights to choose. These are natural human rights that are recognized all over the world. The rights of ownership is not a new thing that only some people in the world have. It's actually like recognized by like the... Every, basically every government everywhere, more or less, right, um, has some form of human right of ownership. Um, I think it's part of like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights or whatever that the the UN passed, I don't know, a hundred years ago almost. Like, like that's how old, this is not new stuff. Um, so the point being, all you have to do is care about it and make your voice known, right? These are companies, they work for people, right? That's how they work, right? Like we as like, they work for us. Like if you're upset, the fastest way to get a company to do something is just get a bunch of their users to be upset and then they'll yeah. do it, right? Like um, we saw this with um, the ATT changes, which is the uh, Apple's tracking transparency or whatever they call it, which is those little pop-ups on your iPhone that say, hey, this app is, is tracking you. Would you like to opt out of it? <laughs> I guess. Right? So Apple implemented that and... People were like, yeah, go Apple. And because of that, Google now has to implement it um, just to stay up to date. Google never, definitely never wanted to implement it. It's core to their business. Um, but now they have to because enough people became aware of the issue and made their voices heard. And, you know, what are they going to do? Just be like, well, you, you, we're quitting Android, right? Like they have to keep pace. So the best thing you can do is honestly just be upset about it and just expect or rather demand that they do better by them, by you as users demanding companies do better, they have to, right? Like you are their customer, right? And yes. ultimately you can just vote with your feet and just stop using them. Um, but if you're just annoyed enough, they will kowtow to you, right? We saw this with WhatsApp's privacy policy. Facebook made these privacy policy changes in WhatsApp. 30 million people left it for Telegram and Signal. Facebook was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, and then they had to go back and change things. They're like, wait, 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 we didn't really mean it like that. This is how we're actually going to do it. They had to change their mind because enough people were like, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, and so that you ultimately, as the user, have all of the power in the situation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you think Facebook would buy out Telegram <laughs> that, to solve the issue? <laughs> Probably. Maybe later down the line. <laughs> would they sure if they could i think they probably would it wouldn't shock me i don't know that it solves anything right uh, yeah you know that was why they bought whatsapp and it just didn't right like that was so yeah i think they would you know the question would be right would everybody just quit telegram and go to signal if that's what happened right like if facebook buys them it's not like they can buy them on the you know the down low in secret like everybody's yeah. gonna know that they bought them and then they're gonna go well maybe i don't want to be on here anymore right <laughs> yeah. so so i know we wanted to talk about tiki and data but i also want to talk about your the crowdfunding model yeah. that you're taking with with tiki uh how is that going firstly yeah, so we just closed the the raise uh, November uh, October thirty first. So November first was our first day, no longer actively raising crowdfunding, which is a nice change of pace for us. But yeah, we closed with over four hundred thousand dollars, which is a pretty huge crowdfunding raise at our stage. Um, just again, it's you know it was over two hundred fifty investors, I believe, um, who put money in, and it's just a testament to people's belief and desire and just need for something like this, something like mm -hmm. Tiki to come in and change the model. The reason we did it was 
really quite simple, honestly. Um, we talk about our pillars of our company being user centricity, transparency, and trust. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all about the user. It all starts with user's choice, user's control. Not, nothing we do at Tiki happens without the user saying so. I mean, to the point where we let people vote on features and we got them involved before we even started building product. First thing we did was we went and got users and asked them, what do you want this thing to do? Do you care about this problem? What do you like about it? What don't you like, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all open source, right? And so it's all public, who's invested in who's doing what and why they're doing it because investors have true and real influence on a company's growth, right? And so if you take those two pieces, just those two, user centricity and, tra- user centricity and transparency, mm-hmm. um, crowdfunding is the just the manifestation of that in terms of a funding vehicle right um it's a public crowdfunding so all of everybody's investing in it they're all going to get listed publicly whether we did it or not right so it's transparent um it allows users to become your investors and when your users are your investors they're never gonna try and get you to do something that isn't in their best interest right like they're always their motivations are in line with your motivations right unlike something like facebook where their business model is not in line with their users' needs. And so their investors care about their business model because that's where the value of the company comes from. And so what they want and what they push the company to do is not always in alignment with what users want, right? Mm. And that's a common problem that many, 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 many businesses face, right? But making your users your investors as a very cool way to solve that problem and keeps everybody in line at all times about what you're doing, why you're doing it. As well as there's a cool little flywheel effect when your users become your investors, then it's in their best interest to get all the friends in on your app (laughs) because it makes their investment go up in value. And so they become really, really great promoters. They're getting people to install it. They're very active. They're engaging with us. They're asking, how do I get my friends on this? Have you thought about this market? What about these people I can introduce you to? They become super active because the more they do, the more their investment goes up. Uh, So it creates this really cool flywheel um, and it all starts with users. Yeah, and um, those users are brand ambassadors, and like you say, uh, what are you doing with that data? Are you using it to improve Tiki and um, you know the feedback you're getting from the users uh, with the with the beta app? Yeah, yeah, it's just a constant evolution of feedback and improvement and feedback and iterate and feedback. I mean, the the whole reason we raised money was so we could do that loop faster, right? You know, with 125,000 people signed up for the beta, the wait list for the beta, um, we need to hire a bunch of people because that's a lot of people that you got to build. You got to build a really good app to support that many people. That's not a, just, you know, a weekend project type of thing. (laughs) It's a lot of work to make something stable enough for all of them. And yeah, the goal is, to just constantly get their feedback and execute against their feedback as fast as humanly possible, right? That's really the trick in all of this is how fast can we execute on their feedback? We have all these channels set up. We have so much feedback coming in. We have places where you can vote on features. It's now our job to like do those quickly. It can't be like you tell me like, hey, we really <laughs> want this feature. We need this feature. I'm like, I'll get to it in two years, right? Like that's not a, that's not a good yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh... I, I can remember seeing Tiki uh, maybe uh, last year sometime in July. Uh, maybe it was through a Facebook ad or... Probably, like, yeah. And then somehow when you messaged me, I thought, 
wait, you're the guy from Cheeky. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really, really pumped. Uh, that's great. Uh, what advice would you give to other startups that are choosing the crowdfunding model? Well, it's not easy. So it's a lot. It's a lot of work, um, both to get it set up and to actually go through and do it. Um, but if you're in a business that's like very brand driven or message driven, or especially if you're in like a B two C business, which are traditionally much harder to raise capital for, anyways, um, I do strongly recommend it um, because of what we just talked about. Right, you get this really cool alignment where the people who are investing in your company they're investing in your company because they want to use your product or your service or whatever you're creating. And so you're getting market validation from people. You're getting constructive feedback from people who care about what you're building, right? Investors are coming and be like, well, have you thought about this? This could be a cool way to make money. But that's different than somebody coming in and saying, I want this feature because it'll be impactful to my life, right? Mm -hmm. And so you get all this really amazing product feedback that's really great. It's just you get this wealth of information you wouldn't normally get. So, um, and then you have them with you the long term, right? They become these advocates, these promoters who are out there, brand ambassadors promoting everything you're doing to their friends. And they're not an, a traditional investor, so their word means something to their friends, right? And, <laughs> and so it's, it's a very cool way to simultaneously grow your company and raise money. Um, but it is a lot of work. And so if you're like a B2B business or like, you know, financial services or any of these companies that are high growth but kind of behind the scenes i don't know that it would make a lot of sense right it'd be a lot easier just to raise private money from people who are in the know um you know but for anything like that that's very user facing especially if you have to really refine your messaging for somebody who doesn't know anything about your market to understand it's really like it's a it's a worthwhile endeavor for sure Mm -hmm. so so how did you uh, what? How did you actually get? So you made the decision. I'm going to do a. We're going to do a crowdfunding business model. Mm -hmm. What were like the first steps? That I know you wanted to focus on getting users. What was what was the focus, and how did you actually get the first few users through, and then duplicate that and have like a hundred thousand users? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> well it's a, it's a great question how do we even get those users in the first place people ask that all the time like how did you get so many people you have no money you did no marketing effectively um well so when we started the company again because it was more an idea than a product mm -hmm. we started it very differently right we said we set out we, we set out saying we believe we could flip the entire data market on its head by putting the users in charge and completely re-envision everything we know about data it just from the viewpoint of it starts and ends with user consent what would that look like okay would people care about that right step one to starting a business this is the most important thing if you're ever going to start a business this is the number one rule does <laughs> anyone give a shit it's the only <laughs> thing that matters do people care um and the answer very often might be no, right? If I asked that question two years ago, the answer would have been no. People didn't care enough. Um, there weren't enough people who cared. 
Um, I thought that, you know, given everything that was going on in the world and just, you know, some various random factors in my life, like I had a conversation with my parents about Signal, right? <laughs> that would have never happened before, right? I just started, like, these things started bubbling up and started thinking, you know, we could really do something about this now. Um, so we put the idea just on the internet. We just made a website. We had no product. Uh, it was just a, like a crappy video and some very bad messaging. I just <laughs> said like, see, control, monetize your data, get some money for you. Like just some very basic stuff just to see if it would resonate with anyone. And thousands of people started signing up very quickly, um, you know, without a lot of marketing. We just tried a few basic things. I ran some social ads, did some blogs. <laughs> We did some partnerships with like some TikTok influencers and things like that um, for low money, you know, a couple hundred bucks here or there to get the message out. And it really picked up steam and it just started started growing. And as we started growing, we started figuring out, okay, well, influencers, you know, in tech adjacent spaces with followings between 50,000 and about a million users are really our sweet spot. So we did more of that, right? Your standard, you know, with the... the I hate this word, but they call it growth hacking. But that's standard approach where you just try a bunch of things, pick the ones that work really well, um, and just do more of that and stop doing everything else, right? So we stopped all of our other efforts. And you know, we found that only the ads on Quora really worked well. And Facebook ads performed badly. So we stopped all our Facebook ads. We stopped like, and we just doubled down and tripled down on the things that worked until it just went poof, right? And we signed up. Mm-hmm. 100,000 people, right? Like that's a crazy number of people on a wait list, right? So, um, and it wasn't like we had a bunch of money to make that happen, right? It was pretty much funded out of our own pockets. We raised a little bit of angel money along the way, but I mean, this is not like, you know, we didn't spend millions of dollars to acquire 100,000 people. We spent, we spent, I don't know. <laughs> Be transparent. <laughs> yeah, very, very little amount of money. Um, yeah, and it just came out of, it, the whole point of doing it was we wanted to build something user-centric, and so we wanted the user's input early before we started building anything, before we started raising money, before we went to market. We wanted the users first. Usually they're the last people you get. We wanted them first, before and above everything else. So that because they dictate everything that comes after that. So we wanted them first and we needed to know whether or not they cared. Like we shouldn't go down this endeavor unless enough people cared about this problem. And so it really just, that's how we got them. Um, very proud of it. Um, it's gotten us to where we are now, right now, you know, we're in a weird boat as a company. We have to like now execute, not like sell the story anymore. Right. Like yeah. I don't actually need any more people to sign up for the thing at this point. I just, need, we just need to, we just need to finish the product and sign up some companies to buy the data. It's not like, this is not a, like, we don't have to go out there and be like, Hey, you know, install our app. <laughs> we, gotta, yeah. Like, yeah, we just need to finish got... building the app. <laughs> yeah. So will this app be available for everybody around the world in the UK and yeah everywhere um the uniqueness in its anonymity um is that it's works everywhere it's truly it's it's decentralized so you can't stop it just like you can't stop bitcoin right we have users in china which certainly i guarantee we're breaking some chinese law <laughs> right like but yeah. you can't like i don't know who our users are we can't stop it we have no control over it that's the whole point it's decentralized like you sign up you get the app i don't know who you are you do what you do with the app it's synonymous it's your data you choose we don't know we're just making some code that you run on your phone we don't know what it does like we we, we have no control well, over it that's the point yeah we don't know what it does oh okay <laughs> great yeah. i know what the options are but i do not know what you did with it right like that's yeah and that's the very cool exciting piece of it right you know 
with Bitcoin, you don't know what people are sending the money around to for what reason, right? You know that you can transfer money with it, um, <laughs> right? Like I know that you can control your data. I know that you can see your data and I know you can sell your data, but I don't know what data or that you chose, what accounts you're going to choose the link. I don't know what data you want to share, what data you don't want. I have no idea. We can never figure it out, right? That's It's built that way on purpose. We can't tell. We can't see it. We can't do anything, which is cool. And it all did one of the very fun benefits is it works everywhere in the world at any time um, on any phone. You can just use it. So, yeah. Uh, and is that available now to, to use? Or when it, it is not. It, yeah, you have to sign up for our wait list. That wait list is long um, to get in the beta. Uh, we hope to add probably... If, 10, 20,000 more people in the next couple of weeks as we start to, it really starts to mature along the way. Um, we're hoping to be public on the app stores like mid Q1, I'd say, like late to mid Q1. Uh, yeah, probably like end of January, early February is kind of what we're talking targeting right now to be ready for general availability um, for people. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's got to get to a point where it's stable enough. Um, <laughs> that a hundred thousand people can use it and it not be full of bugs and not flood our support team with inquiries and it's got to work. And like, you know, you can't just accidentally lose some people's data or, you know, you can't, you certainly can't leak some people's data. Right. There's just, when you're building something like this from scratch, everything that's out there has been built the opposite way. Um, We were joking about this earlier on a happy hour call our team had, um, uh, one uh, mobile engineer, Ricardo, was he's been trying to get data syncing in the background on iOS to work for several weeks, and it's a hard problem. Um, and he's like, Yeah, I was on the forums and everything, and everyone's saying, Yeah, just do it on the server, right? And I'm like, That's the whole point, we can't just do it on the server. Um, that's the problem that we have now, is you can't just everywhere is just like, Yeah, just send to the server your unencrypted data, and then we'll process it there, and then you can send it back. But that's where we are now, right? Like all mm-hmm. of the tools, all the systems. I was, you know, the other day we were joking about like um, uh, one of our marketers wanted uh, to set up a link tree for our social media accounts, which is great. It's a nice little simple service, but it does all this like attributing and tracking of people and users and things. And you can't just opt out of it. Um, yeah. And because to them, they're like, it's a feature. We never even thought somebody wouldn't want it. Um, yeah. But we don't want that. Like the whole point is we are, we do not track our users ever. Um, and so at all the steps along the way, we have to like rethink how it's all done. And we often have to build things completely from scratch. We had to make our own little mini link tree just to replicate it. So that way we could have a version of it that doesn't track people at all. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just, got to be, yeah. it's got to be aligned with Tiki and um, your transparency and the trust values that you have. Yeah, exactly. And that just makes things more difficult in the short term right? <laughs> as we're building things right it just it is what it is um but yeah like doing basic things like syncing data on the mobile device is not easy when you're talking about the volume of data we were processing right like just email data alone is hundreds of thousands of data points per user um you know if you think about your email i mean w- just one of my email accounts has like seventy-five thousand emails um, and so <laughs> You know, each one of those emails has dozens, dozens of valuable data points associated with each one. I mean, we're talking millions of data points just on email. 
just email, right? Let alone you start expanding it out, right? And so we're talking about massive volumes of data, a lot to sync, a lot to, you know, crawl through and anonymize. And so it's just, it's tricky. (laughs) (laughs) So anybody without uh, a data background shouldn't get involved in a data, well, you can get involved in a data startup, but don't start creating a, a solution when you have no credibility or experience in the area or do what's your <laughs> i mean hey man do whatever you want right like yeah. that's the premise of tiki do whatever you want i don't know yeah. I mean, like who am i to say don't do it but yeah. um i do it's think big, there's quite a, a bit of problem. value that yeah. our team knows a lot about data and that everybody in our company has dedicated their lives to this like this problem and this issue and data and how to use data and monetize data and effectively source data and build data like you know when we go and hire people we look for people who understand data like that's Mm -hmm. just that's our like you know more power to people who want to approach the problem differently but that's how we approach it is you know we very specifically target individuals who want to work with us who know data um whether that be like key advisors and investors or that be our team members or employees right everybody everybody at tiki comes from a data background um and it's just so it works yeah yeah, that, yeah it's, it's just it's, <laughs> it's smart it's smart to do that <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, want to hire yeah. a doctor <laughs> <laughs> well you know the, everybody's got there's different values right i can see why there's value in having a fresh set of eyes on something as well as, you know, in the, when you get into the nitty gritty of data, it's very different than how most people think about it and associate mm-hmm. it. It just how it works, why it works the way it does. There's a lot, there's a lot to it, just like any other profession. And so I do, you know, it's a nice level playing field uh, at our mm-hmm. company. If everybody comes to the table, understanding, you know, really the fundamentals of data. Yep. Great. So how, how can people get involved in uh, the MyTiki project? Um, and yeah. Um, yeah, MyTiki.com. Um, everything <laughs> is on their website. But yeah, MyTiki.com. It's not always organized the best, but um, at the bottom is all of our social links. Follow us on social or join one of our social communities. Right, Discord is pretty active. Telegram is pretty active. You can jump in our Signal group. I'm regularly in our Signal group just t- just chatting with people. Um, so join one of our communities. Reach out to us. You can talk to us directly. Um, follow along. We're constantly publishing content. You can sign up for the wait list. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things coming. Um, and we are hiring engineers right now. So if you're an engineer, um, particularly if you're a mobile engineer, a blockchain engineer, or a data engineer, give me a call. Right? Like, we're we're hiring. Um, we're looking to add people to the team and grow this thing as fast as we possibly can. Great. And uh, what is the what's the biggest lesson you've learned along the way in in starting Tiki? And then uh, I've got another question to end it on. Um, to just go for it, I guess. Um, that's probably the the my biggest lesson in all of these things, right? You, very frequently, especially engineers, we have um, we we naturally gravitate towards overthinking things and wanting it all to be perfect and ready and right. Um, I'm not always the best at being like social and outgoing and right. Like these are just normal traits for an engineer and just going for it, putting the idea out there while it was scary to just be like, we haven't built a product, we don't know exactly how it would work, we have some ideas, 
world sign up for this oh now now we have a hundred thousand people right like um it sometimes it feels counterintuitive but it's more again it's more like trying to get the idea out there than really anything else um and so yeah just going for it great great that was going to be like the the end lesson what do you want uh what's the lesson people want to leave with today um but i think you kind of covered that is there anything that i missed that you wish you'd said that would help somebody take their data a little bit more seriously or join the ticket project well just care about it um you don't it doesn't honestly take all that much more than us as people consciously caring about this issue um out of that will come a whole lot of good because we will start to demand better from companies it really doesn't have to be more complicated. Yeah, we're building a really cool solution to help people care um, with as minimal effort as possible on our end. Um, but just starting by acknowledging that it's a problem and caring and instead of approaching like, whatever, I ain't got nothing to hide, right? Like, and moving from that to, well, this sucks, right? That's it. <laughs> I'm just asking people to go from I don't care to this sucks. Um, you don't have to do much more than that. Just acknowledge that it sucks. And out of that, we will like, a lot of really amazing things will get created. We can fix mm -hmm. this problem. There's no reason we have to live in a world where we have no privacy in, like, because of the internet. Like, what do you mean? We invented the internet. We can have <laughs> privacy and the internet. They they don't have to. They can simultaneously yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah, and I think you at the start you said it, if if more people knew about it, then they'd be they'd be behind Tiki. So we just need to shout to the rooftops. Shout it to the rooftops. Yeah. That's it. It's just a game of awareness. That's all it is. It's just if we can get enough people to care about this, we will change it. Yeah, I think that's the best place to end. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining me <laughs> this week. Thanks, Chris. And awesome. uh, yeah, you, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I will end it now. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for joining us this week on Talking With Experts podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed our time together and laughed more than I could have ever imagined. I look forward to one day using Tiki to see, control and monetize my own data and um, see what you've created with Tiki. I'm so excited to be able to help you get your vision out there as a podcaster and my listeners will now have the same opportunity as me to get behind Tiki and stand up for what's right. If you want to get behind the data revolution and law learn more about tiki go to mytiki.com m-y-t-i-k-i.com and like mike said if you have an idea just go for it it may feel counterintuitive to take the first step but you could end up encouraging over 125,000 people to invest in your vision and that is a risk i'm willing to take see you next week with another expert who has a groundbreaking startup that needs your help Plus, our next founder will be sharing some more tips that will help you grow your business, startup, and even investment portfolio. See you then.